Hello and welcome Reinforced Running Podcast. My name is Rich Ryan. Today we have two Torque athletes giving us their rundown of what happened at Spartan Race Puebla in Mexico. It's Nick Mask and Alicia Keeker, both finishing in the top 15 respectively, had two kind of different experiences in this race. So it's really interesting to hear from both of them and how the race went and some of their key takeaways in that. So we talk about race strategy. We talk about things they learned during the race. We talked about the challenges of racing international. So really excited to bring this to you. Uh, very smart conversations from these two athletes who put a good amount of time reflecting on uh, their experience there. So let's do it. All right, Nick Mask, what's up, dude? How you feel? How you feeling post post race? Uh, physically, I feel good. Um, I'm gonna. I haven't ran since the race, but I'm gonna probably run today after this. Uh, my quads needed some needed some time off. So physically, like pretty good. Um, just recovering. Uh, uh, how I feel about you know the race itself a little different, but um, that you know that's how it goes sometimes. But we'll get into that. So um, yeah. So yeah. So this was the first beast distance that you've had a chance to take on against this level of competition, uh, yeah. and the first beast distance in the. Uh, elite series so far. So going into the race, you know, we talked a little bit, but w- what were you kind of thinking? Like, I, I, I know that you'd like this distance and the topography of what it was supposed to look like. It seemed it would be to your advantage with it being not necessarily mountainous. Um, so what were you thinking early on, like going in? Yeah. Go, I mean, heading there, like the travel is cool. So I was like, well, I know it's going to be different because yeah, like you said, it's the first beast of the series. It's, it's in a completely different country. So, uh, but going in, I had good thoughts. Um, I know I'm good at the beast distance. Uh, it's kind of what I've been excited for all year. Um, I knew it wasn't going to be too hilly. Cause like they said, like under 2000 feet of gain. Um, I, I figured it wouldn't be too technical. So I was pretty confident going into this one. Um, I, I honestly had the idea of like, I, I came to win, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna show up like Big Bear I showed up and I was like I realistically want to like save face because I knew it wasn't my kind of race this one uh was like let's pull the trigger on really going for it so really confident uh like the course like the setup so I went in like ready to go how was the the travel getting down there it seemed like I've heard <laughs> nightmarish type of stories and just that Mexico yeah. City is just madness it's huge uh, it's Did nasty. any, uh, <laughs> any, any stories? What happened? Anything oh, happen? Too many for this. Too many. For this. <laughs> uh, give me your, give me your, uh, a list, a list stuff that happened. Here's a roll down getting there, uh, from the Las Vegas airport on no English. So no, like, and trying to meet people, uh, no English, like not speaking the language plus no cell phone reception was scary. Um, it's like, okay, find yourself in a sea of, you find people in a sea of like thousands, right? And you have no way of asking like <laughs> where to go or where they might be. So just just connecting with Logan and Mark right off the bat, I was kind of worried about. Uh, ended up that ended up being pretty easy. Um, and then roll into getting a car at the car rental. That is that's obstacle one of the of the Puebla beast. Actually, it's yeah, it's finding a car. Um, I, I've heard that and it came through. It's, it's a real deal. Oh, it's real deal. Uh, we were there for like two, two and a half hours. Um, and just trying to get a car and it went from 
this isn't the right car to you're not charging us the right price for this car to just getting blatantly ignored for like an hour just like people walking right by you who work at the car rental and like being like man i don't want to deal with you anymore <laughs> um and then finally getting the car you didn't ask for for the wrong price and just being happy that you have a car at all um we rolled in at like nine o'clock so by the time we were on the road it was like almost midnight oh wow was that uh, long who was yeah. dealing with it were you the one handling it or was like no no um this was well it was logan doing his best iteration of spanish i think he's actually pretty good at speaking it but uh so logan's like doing his best and then mark and i are kind of on the curve just like sucks <laughs> that was less than ideal right now i feel like logan would just be able to say words confident enough that yeah. you and mark would be like oh he's got it and the car rental people are like we're going to rip this guy off now here. It comes. Yeah, yeah. We knew he, they were giving him the runaround. We were like, I was like, well, like out of the three of us, Logan throws the boomerang pretty good. So he's probably the most qualified <laughs> to speak internationally. It all lines up to me. You know, yeah, I, like, good, I don't see yeah. why not. A plus B equals C. So we let him do, <laughs> we let him do that, do the talking. Finally, we get in the car. Uh, our, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty wild all the way there. Uh, a dog, like a dog stopped us in the middle of the road. And we were like, that's kind of weird. It's like 2 a.m. Like, that's kind of weird. And as we try to drive off, it's like, you're not going anywhere. Uh, <laughs> and it chased us down into a second dog that was like, I'm going to body slam this car. And it just like full force, just, I don't know if it bit the car or shoulder check, but it hit the door like right next Whoa. to me. And I was like, is that dog okay? <laughs> They're out there running a hustle too. They're like, oh, hey, I, yeah. these people got food, more food than we got, and we want something. Yeah. So those dogs will shake you down. You gotta be, you gotta be careful. Know the difference between the good boys and the bad boys. <laughs> it's hard out there. Hard. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it was about what two and a half hours to to it, Puebla. It, you know, maybe if you knew your way around, but at two a.m. in the you know middle of the night, it's dark your gps is less than optimal it took us like three we got in around three something a.m mm. um and then since we didn't have service we didn't get the text for our airbnb key of like where it was so we're just like hammering the the doorbell and like please somebody wake up and let us in and uh annie we finally to her <laughs> we made her the victim and she had to go open the door for us at uh, 3 so shit. <laughs> yeah, we were out there for a while just like pounding on it we're like this is the only way we're getting inside so uh so she saved you good mm. thing huge yeah huge play thanks annie if you're listening <laughs> so now coming to the race uh the race itself wasn't sure how the depth was going to play out i mean from an uh, someone who observes the sport from the united states i felt like it may not have had the same type of depth not necessarily knowing uh, who these Mexican athletes were, yeah. uh, but it was still a pretty good field overall. I mean, maybe missing a couple key players, but not that many. It was still pretty loaded up. I mean, Hawk wasn't there, uh, Josiah, Lars. Um, yeah. But that was, maybe that was it. For what we lacked, we had probably had a few more, like Hawk, yeah, Hawk, Josiah, Lars. Um, we were missing some people who just haven't been running in America either. Um, so yeah, we we lacked a little depth from the U.S., but like it more than made up for it on Mexico side. They, um, they brought it, man. That course, like in a weird way, like definitely favored those who were ready to like run hard. Uh, and it's like about 9,000 feet. So mm. if you're anywhere used to that kind of altitude, um, being a good runner on that course, it helped like for sure. And 
the depth that the Mexican athletes made up, they were all strong runners, every single one of them. Um, I would say the top 10 probably uh, were very proficient at road and trail running. They, uh, so this, so I think you would appreciate this because a lot of them were wearing road flats. Yeah. They know the meta. They probably saw the, the Nick mask hack and were like, yep, that's the way to go. <laughs> did, did you, did you go flats or would you wear? I ended up buying a pair of Terra Tigers. I had flats on the ready. I was going to wear road racing flats. And then the, the day before in the town we were in, it was kind of moist at the end of the night. And I was like, well, if there's any mud, or if the swims like edge is kind of sloped or anything like that, mm -hmm. I'd rather have some fins on the bottom of the shoes, some kind of like minor lug than none at all. Um, and so I kind of got talked into wearing the, the Terra Tigers over my Saucony flats. Looking at it in hindsight, it wouldn't have mattered. Like either way, it, a shoe's a shoe. We were, yeah, that kind of terrain didn't really rough us up. So, so what was it like? I mean, cause we were talking about, we were hoping it was going to be pretty, pretty groomed um from what we saw on the limited coverage that we had it looked like there was some tall grass some like patches of like kind of bush it like small bushes and like a bit of like a ravine to kind of run through um yeah so what was it like overall was it could you get out and run on that first like 5k yes and no so the best way i could describe this is is if you transposed west virginia to altitude that's what this course was there's um, some there's some climbs in West Virginia. There's at least like one. And there are some climbs in this race too. There were. Like, well, they said less than 2,000. My watch got like 2,600 feet of gain. Um, and I think Mark's watch got even more. Um, the swim can screw that up because it like the bottom of the... Yeah, I can see it doing that. Um, it felt like more though. Because at one point in the race, I talked to him. I was like, you think we're done with climbs? And he was like, I think so. And then we hit two huge hills after that so, <laughs> i don't know it, it felt a lot like west virginia that's the best way i could describe it is it the tech with the technical running and the sections where you could run the tall grass um the creek beds uh the up down the swim like it really did just feel like west virginia at altitude which um, didn't fare very well for you when you went which is why I'm happy with my performance overall too. Cause I did terrible in West Virginia when I ran there and this race, I felt like with what was in my control, I ran really well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think I competed really well, but we, yeah, we can get into that, but like the first 5k, so first 5k is really runnable, but Spartan race made a, like a few big mistakes. Um, first being they made the start a flat or almost like a downhill hard packed road. And we only had like a little bit of running before we hit just this series of walls. Like a quarter uh, mile, wall. like a like we 200 had meters. Wall. Yeah. Like not, I would say like, I think we only had like 300 meters till we hit the first overwall. Oh. And where that's not ideal, but it's acceptable in the U S there were only like three wall panels. Oh, so, so it wasn't as wide. So it, it allowed for this large swath of runners to come in, but there's no width. And so mm. like I had to wait, I had to stand and wait at the overwall. Mm. Um, and then we got to hurdles, same thing, had to stand and wait. We got to over under through, I had to stand and wait. So it was like from sprint to just idling because you have these athletes who are willing to go out sub five and then they don't even know how to get over a wall. And so it's like, why, why are we putting these, these obstacles that are like chokes for the course so early 
Uh, so it was really frustrating. The beginning was frustrating to me. I think Mark Goddard even got like, I, he was going over a wall and I'm pretty sure like uh, one of the runners need him in the back of the head. And so he ended up falling over one of the hurdles and getting like stepped over for a while. He'd like wait for like athletes to go over him, but it was such a mess. Like it, it could have been avoided if you made it like a quarter mile later. So and the hurt sucked. And it's not like it was a sprint where they need to cram the obstacles in there. Mm-mm. It was a no. beast. <laughs> like put them a mile in. They had plenty of time. There, there was so much open running um, in this course that there was plenty of time to put them anywhere else. Uh, so that, that kind of sucked. Like having having walls actually be an obstacle because you're waiting there and then you have to start them from like a stand instead of like a, a jog up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was kind of, I don't know. I think it could have been done better. And then... Really, the I'd say the crux of the entire course, you hit uh, three miles in. So you, you do a lot more running. We get to 5K, and you have the 10-foot wall. Um, and I think that's got to be like the decider of your race. So before that, though, uh, the the log carry. Um, was that, oh, it was right before, yeah. So we I have a log the, carry. I the log, and that was, it's, it was long? It was like five-plus minutes or so? Yeah, log carry was like a little over a quarter mile, I think. Um, was it heavy? It was, it looked long. They like I, they were heavy-ish. Uh, I wasn't concerned with the weight of my log so much as I was the abrasiveness of it. Uh. Um, and that they ran us through a forest where there was a bunch of trees. And since they were so long, you had to like figure out how to thread your log through the maze of uh. really tiny trees without getting like stuck. Um, so it was funny. On the way up, it's like a really slow climb. Everyone's kind of like jog walking because it's uphill. And we turn the corner back to the descent, and it's it's downhill. It's kind of technical running. There's all these trees, and everybody's logs are just like hitting each other. We're all like uh, our logs are like bouncing off. Ryan Atkins made a big pass on me and a few guys. We're like in a cluster, and his log swung and smacked my log, and then my log domino effect and hit Mark like <laughs> we're doing like this three Stooges bit with our logs coming downhill, um, but. Yeah, that so the carry was it was pretty long. The logs, I wouldn't say they were heavy; they were medium. So you're in. Uh, so looking from the coverage, it was I think zero or on hell. It was like f- say four Mexican athletes, VJ. Then it was uh, Batris. Then was it like you, Mark, and and um, Marquette and Atkins, kind of in that mix? And Ryland was probably somewhere right there too. Yeah. So when we're all going into the 10 foot wall, it's like, yeah, there's like four Mexican athletes. And then Mark got their first Batris. Um, and then I think Rylan and VJ got in around the same time. Cause I had passed, I had passed Rylan and VJ before the log carry. Um, I had ran with them both for a few, like a minute and then moved up and then ran again. Cause I knew the running was good for me. And then I got passed by them on the log carry. So they were probably right in front of Mark Godet and I, and Atkins is right in between me and BJ. Okay. So, so it's kind of the top six U.S. guys uh, with the top four Mexican guys. You know, you'd say about the top five of each is hitting the wall uh, in that little bundle. How are you uh, feeling at this point? I feel like I'm gonna tear people apart. Um, so the, my biggest worry was not the swall, it wasn't the spear, it was how am I going to hold up at altitude yeah. for a half marathon when I'm not training any altitude at all. Um, and at 5KN, I felt like I hadn't done a single piece of work. Right. Uh, I felt great. My my running was fast. I was still running like 
uh, sub six effort. I felt good. Um, and then we got to this wall and I was like, piece of cake. I'm going to hit this, get over it, go. Cause I can jump pretty high. Uh, I have long arms. Uh, and then I saw Mark go up, Batris or, uh, got that go up and miss it. And I was like, oh, no worries. Like we're going to get it. And I ran up and I grabbed it and I got both hands like well over the edge. And I was wearing gloves at this point. Cause I wasn't sure if ape hanger was going to be wet. Uh, and I was just going to put them away if it wasn't. And my gloves slip off. So I don't know if there was like mud on top. A few of the walls had, had like people shoe mud. Kind yeah, of I could see top. that. Uh, but I was like, oh, no worries. I totally got that. I can jump higher. And then the official starts yelling at us to like get away from the wall and to go take the penalty loop. And uh, Mark and I are like, no, dude, like that's not that's not the ruling for this. We have multiple attempts on this wall. And he just starts like shouting Uno at our face. And we're like, no, that's not that's not how it works. And as we're like arguing with him, all the people around us are taking multiple attempts just in front of him. And then a few of them get over and keep running. And and Mark and I are just like, are you kidding me? Like, this is this is how it's going to be. We're going to have to take a penalty loop right here when like other people are being allowed to do the thing we can't do. So after like, you know, 10 seconds of arguing with this guy, it's like, I looked at Mark, he's like, we got to just go. We have to go take this penalty loop because we're losing time mm-hmm. uh, arguing with this official. Whether is he he's like wrong. standing in front of you? He's like, yeah, yeah. He's just standing next to the wall. And now he like is yelling at us. And he's just like, you have one, you get Uno, like that's it. As like <laughs> people in front of us are taking multiple attempts and getting over. And so, yeah, we're pissed. Like, because we know this is a brutal, a brutal penalty loop, and you can see that it starts with a crawl. Uh, it's got the the fake the bungee cords. Yeah. And so I looked on the map, and I was like, I'm pretty sure this is like a, a 500 meter penalty loop. Like it's it's definitely over a quarter mile, and it's uphill. And but like in my brain, I'm like, well, I can't get DQ'd here. I just spent like a thousand dollars to get to this country <laughs> to, right. to get into this race. I can't spend it on a DQ. So. I was like, I'll let the rage fuel me for the rest of the running after this. And Mark and I and two other athletes take the uh, take the penalty loop, uh, and it sucked. It took well, it took it took three minutes to do. Um, and I think some people could look at that and say, okay, you know, you do this penalty loop. It, it takes three minutes, so let's look where three minutes would you know put you at the end of the race. Um, but it's the best way I could put it is this is like compounding disadvantage. For sure. Because yes, it's three minutes, but it's also extra effort I had to put in. My watch now, the distance on it no longer matters. I have no idea when the end of the race is, whereas other athletes can be like, okay, we've got to be getting close to the end. I don't know. Right. Um, And when we pop back out, they have the penalty loop leave the venue like area. And then you wrap back in after you run through a fourth. So you have no idea how many people have gone over the yeah. So when we got back on a course, we know we're three minutes behind where the people around us were, but we have no idea what place we're in. And Mark and I are talking and I'm like, I don't know if we're in 30th or, or 10th. <laughs> could you see, could you see the athletes who did click VJ got over quick um, on hell went over Batris. He had like five attempts. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And if he would have got over the worst part is he would have just gone and that would have been fine. But the, yeah, the disorganization of having a, a, have an obstacle official not know the rule of their obstacle 
is is mind-blowing to me like, it didn't seem like anybody knew it and when we were watching the clips you could hear hammond say it was multiple attempt was mm-hmm. hammond just gone by the time you got he, there he left us to die <laughs> he, uh, he left with the, the guys right in front of us and he yeah. was arguing for them but like it just doesn't matter if the communication isn't there so we yeah we just got we got the the bad end of that deal and it honestly like i hate to say it but like i, I don't like excuses but that cost us our race um there's there's not a lot you can do when you're that far back and you don't know where people are um yeah, it was just such a bad place to have it happen. And that was uh, right before a big, long stretch of open running, right? It was It was right before the part I had highlighted on the map. I was like, that's where I'm going to get people. Like, that is where I'm going to try to move into first and see if I can pull people out faster than they wanted to. Like, that was my whole plan was get over the wall, crush the running. Um, and so... For a while, yeah, we get we get past that penalty loop. I was in my head like, people are going to fail stuff. I'm going to catch, I'm going to still catch some people. I didn't realize that nobody had got in front of us. Maybe like two athletes had got in front of us. Huh. So there's actually like a four minute dead area of nobody. So even though Mark and I were closing the gap the whole time, and get, we probably like gained like two three minutes on that that guy, it, it didn't look like we were catching anybody. Cause there was just no people to pass. Right. So, so were you so feeling I, like, yeah, go ahead. I just, I just felt defeated. I was like, man, yeah. we're probably in 20th and I'm not catching anybody. It's like, how's everybody running it. this fast? Yeah. That's, that's what's weird mm-hmm. about these, these type of races where like, yeah. you don't know what's happening in front of you. Mm-hmm. And there's no, there's no one to tell you. And you, like, there was no section to look in front and see it was, there were so many turns and forests mm-hmm. that you just had no idea. Like that's the part I hate is like, it's so hard to be competitive when you don't know if you go, if I went like all out as fast as I could run, really went for it, wrist it all, I might be moving from 20th to 18th. And yeah. I just don't have like, <laughs> I don't know, like that if I were in sixth, right? And I felt the way I did, I would be fighting as hard as possible. And it would feel, it'd be so much easier to be competitive in that setting. But being a no man's land, like for 10 miles is just, yeah it's soul crushing yeah and when it's after that type of even if you fail an obstacle and it is your fault then it's like yeah it does have that like kind of deflating feeling but i could imagine what it's like to be wrongfully penalized or mm-hmm. or maybe you were rightfully penalized and, and everybody else just went through the obstacle uh against the rules but what was the interpretation i like we were thinking it was going to be two I believe attempts. the rule was it was two attempts that you got two attempts on the wall. And if you failed, you did a penalty loop, which is stupid. Like which, having yeah, attempts like, on at all is dumb. It's the problem with the 10 foot wall. And I don't say this cause I failed it. Cause I, I think, I mean, I can jump in like double hand rim and pop it. Like I'm not, a, I'm not bad at a 10 foot wall. I just slipped off the top. And what I'm mad at is it is discriminating against certain types of athletes like Mark Battress or like Logan Broadbent, like just shorter guys. You're not testing their skill. You're you're just testing like height and arm length. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did Logan Logan, I'm guessing oh, nobody, the penalty loop. nobody went over that who didn't have a height advantage, I don't think. Like it's prob- so very few people under five nine got that wall. And probably no one after the first couple took the ten- like if if they sent every do you know if they sent people 
further back after one attempt? Like, is it uh, the people that were in front of you got multiple? The people behind yeah, you, did they I'm get sure multiple? It was a mixed bag the whole way. Because maybe that's why no one passed you. <laughs> maybe everybody was just doing, yeah, doing the penalty. Like, did it Woods make be. it? Like, what about no, he didn't make it? Woods didn't make it. Okay. Like Logan, we Logan, we're guessing didn't make it. I'm trying to see. No, he didn't. Uh, I think most people missed after us, which is why I know Clinker hit it, and then he well, was he's like six four, right? He's yeah, tall. and he was getting over the wall right when we got back, and then we just passed him, and that was it. But yeah, it, it's just a kind of a dumb obstacle to like. You talk about does does the punishment fit the crime, and it's like no, absolutely not. That that uh that obstacle was. Yeah, it was like nail in the coffin if you miss it, and we're going to be ambiguous on the rules, and we're not going to be um, consistent with each athlete. So to me, I felt like that was that was kind of a failure on Spartan Race. Um, I'm like pretty disappointed in in the officiating there. Like it just, yeah, I don't know. Like if it were like a hundred meter penalty loop, and it was I was wrongfully put on it, whatever. But right, something but it's, that it's a race ender, like. Honestly, unless you're Mark Battress, like I know, okay, the the counter argument here is that Mark Battress had to take it. He did. He did. He did. He did end up failing after like five attempts or whatever he did. Uh, but Mark Battress was also in like first place by a lot, <laughs> right? Uh, so he, you know, that it didn't positionally put him in no man's land. I'm pretty sure he just ended up back with the pack of people he outran. You know. Yes. So that's where I say that compounding disadvantage of like, well, if you're in that spot, it's not as bad. But if you're in a spot where like you're on the very back end of the pack and it happens, you're just you have no idea. So uh, good for him for like still coming away with fifth or whatever he got. Like yeah. that's it's super impressive. He had probably one of the best races of anybody. Um, he he might have won it honestly without that wall there. I he looked good. Um, I think I think Mark Batchers could have won that race. His fitness is really strong. I think his fitness is always strong. I think he's just like mentally confident and just like in it this year he's been he, racing great he uh shout out mark Batras. he gro- drove me back to the mexico city airport nice <laughs> yeah like on a whim i was like hey who's going back and he's like i got room in the car so he drove mark and i back but he uh he gave me some good advice kind of touching on like why he might be so successful this year as you're saying like you one you got to go through like the period of just sucking right like everybody in spartan there's going to be this like phase where you're not as good or there's a gauntlet of like getting better and learning but he was like, the real thing is you got to, you got to do it your own way. Like you can't look at another Spartan athlete and be like, oh, how are they good? Why are they good? If I copy that, then I'll be good. He's like, everybody's success in this sport is individual. Um, if I look at like how, why Ryan Atkins is fast, I can't just copy him because I'm not Ryan Atkins. Right. If I look at like VJ, I'm like, oh, VJ's obstacle proficient. If I just, if I'm just good at obstacles, I'll win. No, that's, that's not the case. He's also an incredible runner when he's tired. So like. I like that, you know, like figure out what you need to do to make you good. And I think Mark has done that for himself this year. He's finally figured out how to like cut away his, his weaknesses and only have strengths. So good for him. Yeah. He's, he's crushing. You see what his son ran his nine-year-old son. His son's a monster. If you're in track and field, you should fear this boy. You're screwed. (laughs) This this nine-year-old's out here putting down, putting down fast miles. 519 or 517 or something you're like, like you're that? 515, 1500. Oh, is it 1500? Uh, yeah, okay. Like that's, that's like Still. the 530 mile. Yes. This nine-year-old's running a 530 mile. Seventh in the U.S. Um, and if you haven't watched it, 
I I think there's a video on uh, Mark's wife's Instagram. Uh, Natalie page. has it up. Yeah, dude, this kid, this kid comes out like lightning. Like his form, his it looks like he's running the open four, and he just holds it. Uh, I, so like, man, yeah, that kid's fast. He does have he does have a fluid looking running form. And uh, Betcher said that one time when he was on the podcast, he's like. Yeah, like you really can't develop endurance until a certain age. I think until like middle school, intermediate school, like seventh, eighth grade, like till the, for the training to really work. So it's all like skill and coordination. So like it's like drills for little kids, and he, mm-hmm. you can tell like he has, he like can run. He's got he's got natural speed. When was your what like? Do you remember what you ran in like eighth grade? Were there timed miles and, and everything? Yeah, I ran a I ran a PE mile in eighth grade, and I ran four fifty nine. And that's the only reason I know the time is because I was like I broke five, I did it, and then did, I did. Did, you, did one. you win your school? Were you the fastest? Uh, yeah, I was the fastest kid at my school for the mile. Um, but then I ran the fifteen hundred in track that year. And I also ran a 4.59. So like, <laughs> I ran a way slower time. And after that, I, I wasn't allowed to do sports for a couple of years because my heart thing. Um, and so, yeah, I only got one crack at the 1500 uh, that year. But I, yeah, I did break five. That was my first time I was breaking five. Uh, and I was never a good miler. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty solid, though, for an eighth grader to be under. For sure. It wasn't even the record, though. Like, I'm pretty sure there were a few kids who had faster miles from the school I went to. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so that, that after the wall, like I said, there was about five miles or so. It was, yeah. After a wall, it was about five miles of pretty open running. I mean, yeah, it was technical. There were like Creek bed runs and, um, yeah, some like descending trails that had tall grass, but for the most part, it was pretty easy running. And you and uh, Mark are together at this point? No, the weirdest thing was, so it's me, Gaudet, and then one of the Mexican athletes. And I, I, I think about it here and I'm like, I'm still probably the strongest runner here in my head. I'm like, I, I'm probably better in this position. I'm going to make a run for it and try to catch the backpack of like, I'm going to go find people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I take off. And I really cook the next three miles, like two, three miles. I am moving. And at one point I look behind me in like a meadow and there's nobody like, I'm like, okay, I broke the people behind me. I'm never going to see them again. Um, I just got to keep pushing until I find an athlete. And then I make a turn around like a few trees, like a few corners. And I look back and I get passed by two Mexican athletes. And then Mark's right there. (laughs) And I was like, how like how did how did i get caught doing this i'm running like as fast as i feel like i'm able to um and i just got straight up caught by three people and then from then on like at mile six i'd say i ran with mark and those two mexican athletes ran together and we basically just raced each other as like teams oh that's kind of cool yeah it was pretty fun um to to just like have yeah it it felt like a like a team race at that point because those are the only people we saw ever again. So because I'm sure you and Mark were really hoping that like if there was gonna be people that dropped, it'd be them. Like that you two would prevail <laughs> over any yeah. as opposed to just like uh, the person dropping anyone in the field to improve their position. It was probably like no no no, we're staying and they're going. That's kind of how we felt. We're like we'll get them on the carries and then we'd make like a 
a couple second move on them on the carries and then we just go back to the running and they'd be right back there again so wow. they were very running centric they might have been the fastest runners in the whole thing maybe um they just weren't as obstacle proficient and they both got hammered on the 10 foot wall as well yeah so were these um like the alonzo and Irino? did they they ended up on how did you guys yeah what's weird is though they were like together and the results don't kind of match what we saw in in terms of the finish. I, I feel like one of them didn't end up in the either they like were in the wrong place or like they got penalized for something. The results were all screwed up. Yeah, they were so bad. I have so no idea. I maybe no idea what, what did, did one of them miss the spear? No, they oh. were in front of us by the spear, uh, and they both hit. Oh, they both hit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. somehow with those rigged carnival game spears yeah so i mean this is that's been the story right like seeing like the atkins clip you guys didn't get that we didn't get to see your, your you don't your get to throw. see that it just happens to us too like we just <laughs> nail our targets and they crack and then the spear comes out and you're like wow this place sucks like this this obstacle course sucks i was so mad <laughs> at that point uh that's what lost me top 10 too because fast forward it's just mark and i the whole time and we get to the spear like right at the end and he's probably like a couple steps ahead of me and in my head i'm like you know what i don't want to like like mark and i've been working together the whole time it feels weird when you're running with a teammate to figure out when's the right time to become competitors right yeah because we're competing the whole time but i don't want to like you know sabotage his race or like oh i'm gonna crush this guy when it's like this is the dude who's like on my team this is my teammate on torque you know and we've <laughs> been talking and helping each other together the whole here time. yeah Roommates. and so i'm like you know what i'm gonna wait for him tactfully or tactically to to see what he does on a spear if he misses i'm gonna i'm gonna nail mine because in my head i'm like so confident going to the spear i've been practicing a ton because of big bear and uh he misses and i'm like okay i'm gonna take my time i'm gonna nail the spear and I'm going to, I'm going to pass Mark and that's going to be my race. And so I really like gave myself probably like 10, 15 seconds to really let my heart rate come down. And so he's already doing burpees in the pit and yeah, just drill it right in the middle. Crap comes right back out. I look <laughs> at the official and he legit looks at me and goes, I don't know, I guess burpees. <laughs> and I'm like, that's so cool that you're in charge here. Uh, and I walk over to Mark, who's probably like 10 burpees in and I just go, I can't even do it right now, dude. Like, I'm so, I'm so upset, uh, <laughs> with that compounding with like the penalty loop and just like knowing you're as fit as you are and having like, none of it matter like that. I was so pissed off. <laughs> and that's kind of the deal. We've talked about this before. Like, OCR, like there's just so many things that can go wrong that it's yeah. hard to foresee when things go wrong. And now it's even to the point where it's like, who can just manage the the unforeseen mistakes the best? And a lot of times it's like uh, VJ and Atkins. But in this case, it, like Atkins couldn't even manage Atkins, this one, right? I don't even know how they, they look at that and go, yeah, do the burpees. Which is funny because like, so after the race, we're all under the tent talking about how like everything sucked. <laughs> <laughs> And Atkins looks at, I talked to Atkins about the, uh, the wall. And I was like, I can't believe they gave us one attempt and sent us on that loop. It like destroyed our race. And he was like, here's a veteran tip for you. If you know, you're right to like absolute, just do what you know is right. And then refute it later. And, and he's probably right about it, but 
at the same time, it's like, this is such a high stakes thing for someone like me to, to do that. And then just hope the rest of the race that you're not going to get DQ'd or have a 20 minute penalty or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so like you can say that, but then like, same thing with his spear, like he really should have just kept running, I think. Yeah. And then been like, no, your stuff malfunctioned on me. You have footage of this. I'm in second. Like that should be his point. But like, when you're in race, that's not how you think. Whether you're me or Ryan Atkins, you're no. like, I have to now take this penalty because I can't afford to to get DQ'd. To be DQ'd have, or to get like an arbitrary 30-minute penalty or whatever they would do, basically putting you in last or whatever. Yeah, like that's the issue, right? Is that these these penalties that are supposed to be speed bumps become like race enders, right? Yeah. Um, they, like they're supposed to be penalties, but they're really just like DQing you. You might as well DNF if you get one of these mm-hmm. put on you. So yeah, plus the spears, like since I was there, I can tell you about it. The wood was dense. Of, on heavy. the spear itself, the handle? Super heavy, the whole wooden like shaft of the spear. And, th- and this is my reasoning. A lot of people were saying, oh, a lot of the women miss. These spears were almost, I think twice the weight. Really? Oh, it felt like throwing a hunk of metal, like a metal pipe. Hmm. Uh, and then the tips weren't Spartan tips, they were rebar. Um, they were just thick, unsharpened rebar. Hmm. So when you threw it, it already felt like you were holding like uh, a tube of bricks. And then if you were fatigued, I wouldn't be surprised if like some people couldn't even get it there. Which is also probably why they're bouncing out when they're heavy like that. Oh, they're so dense. The only way you could have got it is either if your target was good and you didn't hit the wooden backboard behind the foam, or if you hit it a perfect 45 that's what Mark uh, was saying. Yeah, and had kind it of extend, arch it. like yeah, like but if you hit it dead on, like the way you should, really, just like kind of stick it, it's gonna come out. Ryland said his the only reason his stuck, he thinks, is because he pierced the backboard. <laughs> he just threw it as hard as he. Like, he I've seen it stuck in the. I've seen him get stuck in the wood before. Like if someone like kind of misses, like mm-hmm. having it stick in the side wood. Um, yes, yeah, so you got to throw it super hard or really easy. Did, um, when you rolled up to the spear, was your spear on the ground or was it stuck into the foam? It was in the foam and I pulled it. I pulled it. Like I could have had my thumb and my index finger on the twine and ripped it out. It oh, really? So light in the foam. It must've been one that someone threw before and it was just like barely in there. Right. Um, and it, it literally would have taken like sneezing on it to get that spear out of the target. I wonder if it's like that for all of the races. That's probably also why those targets are such a disaster and they probably don't replace them on the, the, like how uh, on the state of the target itself, they probably replace them once every uh, 18 months or something like that. So if you had these, if you had these heavier spears that are taking chunks out of them, like yeah like so i listened to the race brain podcast ah. y'all put out uh today i think mm-hmm. uh, so you have if you haven't listened to that you should give that a listen too Good but plug. um you hit the nail on the head there where like it's just not a, a finished obstacle yet it's not there's still things that need to be ironed out like if i look at my track record for spear at the north american elite series this year i have hit the spear target three out of three times in this series and I have passed spear one time mm. uh, because I got in slow in Big Bear. I hit the edge and it took the chunk of foam with it. So it's like, well, that doesn't count. You hit the target, it doesn't count. Yeah. And then in Mexico, I just right in the middle, you know, pierce it directly in the middle of the target and it bounces out. So 
it's it's tough when you're you know you're accurate enough but it just doesn't matter when the equipment fails the athlete and i'd be way more pissed off if i were ryan atkins or somebody where this took away like two thousand dollars from me yeah you know, best case scenario my spear goes in i beat mark and i get 200 bucks yeah. So I get, I get, you know, yeah. um, I'm not, I'm not doing this for an extra hundred dollars here and there, but like, if it's, you know, thousands of dollars is a real thing. It's a, uh, and, and for him looking at like trying to win the series, the difference between second and fourth probably takes him out of it. Now he has to realistically win Utah and Canada. Uh, fourth place right. just doesn't cut it in terms of the points. So, and, and VJ would need, I think uh, VJ can go second, second and still no, he can't go second, second and get him. You have to, it's weird the point discrepancies, but like oh yeah, I don't, I don't know how to support. Yeah, yeah. Atkins wins board. both. Yeah, he needs to. He needs to win both, and he can. I mean, he can. Um, but that yeah. was one thing. Yeah, like it's for him, pressure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so then. The, the spears toward the end anyway, right? And it it just, is. Yeah, it's like the last. I mean, yeah, you got like rope and and cargo net or whatever, like things that you're not going to fail. There was the Olympus. The Olympus was two panels long. It was just like 12 feet in length. You, what is it typically? I, I think it has four panels. Oh, like, oh in slow, short. like four panels long. This was two. Oh, so this looked man. like they didn't have enough. Like they had half the number they normally had. And they're like, well, let's just cut them in half. Like that's what <laughs> it felt like. Um, but it was easy. I mean, I don't know. There's nothing like I feel like really failable for anyone who does Spartan race all the time. How was uh, the balance beam thing? Yeah, that's in the middle. So yeah, if you rewind and you have all that running, eventually you come up to mile eleven and you have like the true gauntlet of obstacles. And like right before that is this balance beam. And the balance beam was just an overwall but put parallel with the course. Right. And then it had, it had like two by fours, uh, ramping up and down it. So they were that, they were that, they, they were that wide, like a regular I'd two say by four. They were like, yeah, probably four inches across. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't, I don't know. It wasn't, uh, I wouldn't say it was all that difficult. The only thing that was scary about it is when you make the big step up to the actual wall. Um, I kind of had like vertigo at that point i don't know if it was the altitude or just being tired but yeah. i was like if i fall off right here i'm gonna be so upset but i don't think it it really impacted anybody in the top 10. yeah i was gonna say i didn't hear anybody missing it or complaining no. about missing it um i was hoping that it would <laughs> yeah it didn't, sure. it didn't look like anybody failed it and then then you have the swim which was an oh before you know before swim back up um so right after balance beam you go back into the woods right and it's a lot of like technical, like I said, West Virginia trail running. Um, and Mark gaps me by like maybe 10 feet. And I'm cool with it. I'm like watching his steps. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. And I, this has only happened to me, I'm pretty sure. We're running through the, the woods and there's a road that like cuts through it at one point. And this car almost hits me. <laughs> uh, this, dude, this dude's in a car with his wife. And he looks at me and he sees me coming. Mark is right in front. So he goes by. And this car just goes right in front of me. So I have to just go to a dead stop to not get hit by this car. And then he sees me. And then his idea is, oh, I almost hit this person. I'm just going to stop. So he stops the car in front of me. <laughs> I have a car in front of me and I'm like, trying to get around it. And then he just turns left and drives onto the course. So now there's a car driving on the course next to me. 
while I'm running on it for like another, <laughs> I don't know, like 80 feet. There's just this car. <laughs> like, this isn't a road, bud. Like this is a trail. Like, what are you doing? Uh, I don't know what happened after that because eventually it's like not drivable, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I have just a car. Come on, no, I, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard anyone getting interrupted in an oh. obstacle race via car. Yeah. So I, I lost probably like, I don't know, four or five seconds due to a car. <laughs> this stuff you're not expecting. Um, yeah. So you, you know, you, uh, you roll through balance beam and it's a little bit more running and then you hit like this true gauntlet, right? Um, this is where the obstacles become quite difficult. Uh, I think, I think Kirkwaist and Atlas carry were heavy. Hmm. Um, I don't know if other athletes got that, um, that vibe, but I picked up my Atlas stone or I tried to, I should say, and I couldn't get up on the first pole. And Atlas isn't something I struggle with, you know, I'm decent enough at squatting and deadlifting and I couldn't get it up. And so I set it down and I had to roll it up my leg. Yeah. yeah. Like, like the Spartan tutorial people tell you at the, <laughs> at the festival. When it's and muddy, it works. It was, yeah, but it was dry. Right. Like, this right. Was, and so I have it and I'm like carrying it. Like you carry your dry laundry when you don't want to, like, you don't have a basket. So you're just like waddling to your bedroom to get your clothes there and this stone is falling down me the whole time and i can feel it like getting lower and lower in my body as i'm like <laughs> ankle walking right to get to get it and i i drop it like just at the at the pit and i'm like these are heavy um i mean they're different they're from a different company right they might have been heavier they they felt heavy and then huh. the herquoist we knew like going up to him, you looked at him and you're like, those bags look big. Huh. And, and Mark gets a pull right before me and I start to pull and this was not <laughs> the same bag I've been pulling all year. Um, it took, it took a while to get it up for sure. That's the worst when it takes a long time to get that thing up. And it's like, am I going to get there? I've definitely failed her before. Like that's being exhausted at the end of a race mm -hmm. and just like, pulling it and like stepping on the rope to let myself rest. And like, it's yeah. taking as long as it would just to do burpees or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we, we got it. Um, but what sucked about the Herkwise was it was the first time I had to flex extremely hard with my mm -hmm. quads. Mm -hmm. And so I, I flexed them pretty hard and I felt like the beginning of cramping happening in my quads. And uh, Mark and I keep running and we get to, to rolling mud, right? Like the little pools of water and Mark jumps like big jump in and I follow. And we realize right when we hit the water's like a foot deep. <laughs> so, so you're expecting, you know, to be about waist deep in water and like have the buoyancy kind of shelter the fall. And both of us, we, we talked about it in the race too. When we hit the ground, that like shock of, of having all your weight just come down went right up our legs and we both went into immediate like lockout cramp hmm. so mark's calves went my quads and it bands both completely just like that and when we got out of it i had to just stand there and like i tried to stretch at first i was like i'll do a quad stretch and then my hamstring cramped because i was trying to stretch flex the hamstring <laughs> and so i was like no i can't do that um and so i like kind of waddled for a little bit we got to the next big climb and I just started while I was power hiking, massaging my like quads out just to like be able to run again. Um, but for the last 5k, it was, it was cramp city. Is it the first time you've had that happen in a, in a race? It happened to me in West Virginia and I had to crawl okay. for about 800 meters and then I had to walk the rest of the course. So I was actually 
pretty stoked that I was able to run again. <laughs> um, I feel like my cramp management's gotten better. Nice. So I can, I can run through cramping now, like hard lockout cramping. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't five, 50 pace, you know, it wasn't fast, but no. well, the first time it happens or whenever it happens, honestly, it's like, is something really terrible going to happen here? Cause it just feels really bad. I went from, and Mark could agree. We went from let's catch the lead pack and get back in this to after, after having the cramps hit in like with a mile to go, we were like, we need to stop the bleeding. We have <laughs> to just be clean, not fail anything and get through this without getting caught. Um, and then the swim, well, I'm trying to think, I think the swim is the next big thing. There's, there's a section that has a lot of carries. The carries were long. The carries mm. were technical. Every carry was tough in this race. And that, that added to the cramping, I think just for like sure. having a lot of load on your back for all the carries felt long to me, you know, they were, they were heavy and they were <laughs> pretty strenuous. So you go through this like carry gauntlet in mile 12 or something like that, 11, maybe 11, and it pops you out and you hit the swim. Mm -hmm. The swim's deceiving because it's like a big 180. And then the, the where you end up after the swim, you run back alongside where you were running before. So I see Mark Battress coming out and I'm like, I've, I've got to be really close to him. Like I've got to, we have a shot is what I thought. And then you turn a corner around this building and you realize that you're like a half mile back oh. with a swim of the way. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we're nowhere near. Never mind. Yeah. And, um, and I was super nervous for the swim because usually the swim is what starts the cramping, right? And if you're cramping going into it, it kind of feels like it's just going to be a, a bad move. And I, I took uh, Mark's advice and I did the double backstroke yep. uh, on the swim and it helped a ton. It was mm. really nice. Uh, but Mark and I got screwed on the swim because was the guy in first or second who was pulling on the, the flagging? It was the guy who finished second, Ciro, I believe, who was in first going into that and VJ passed him. Okay. I, I can't, one, I can't believe he didn't get DQ'd. Unbelievable. It, that's, that's because it's unbelievable. It, like, well, it's, it's favoritism, period. Like, I'm, I'm telling you right now, you have me go and do that, I'm done. I'm cooked. Like, they're, they would be happy. <laughs> To, to DQ somebody who wasn't in contention for a win, I think. Uh, but like, it's literally, if you can open up the rule book and you can read it and it's like, Oh yep. You're DQ. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that they had to have a caveat excuse to like protect themselves from following through with the rules. I found that interesting. Like, you know, like, Oh, well, someone's life's in danger. And I agree. I don't want anyone to drown, but that's that's also neither here nor there when we look at the rules you've printed of do not use this for aid and then it's used for aid it's like well that if you if you do a swim and you drown you can't get second place yeah you did you did the thing they said you couldn't do you know it'd be like if i i like i don't even know an obstacle that i feel like i'd be my life would be threatened on but or maybe the rope climb right like i'm afraid of heights i'm like oh i don't want to do the rope climb because i'm too afraid I'm at the top and I can't do it. And they Someone lower me help down. Me. Yeah. They're like, yeah, they bring like a little mattress and I just drop down. Like, I know that would take time, but like I sh should be penalized. I can't complete the obstacle. Um, so that didn't make sense to me that, you know, no. that there's, there was no penalty there. Um, but what sucked was when he did that, he actually pulled the buoy closer to shore. And so now the buoy for the next, I don't know how many, I guess that'd be like eight or nine athletes they're swimming a couple meters less right here and there. 
getting around this buoy. And as Mark goes to go around the buoy, the guy who was out there with the guy with the canoe uh, is pushing the buoy back out. So Mark is like trying to get around the buoy as he's pushing it further away from Mark. <laughs> and it's like, oh, so it can be short for the lead pack, but it has to be long for everybody else. Extended it, extended uh, it as you approached. <laughs> and so then I, I get around the long end of the buoy and we're like coming back. It's like the swim went great, but it's like that kind of sucks that the distance for the buoy was different. Um, but yeah, the double backstroke's the way to go. If you have any, if you have any trouble with swimming, I recommend it. Mm. it. It felt so much better than freestyle. Uh, and then I did alternating backstroke on the way in, and it was a little quicker. But if you're trying to save your legs, that's the way to go. And you're frog kicking. I I mixed frog kick with flutter with pole. I, okay. I kind of did it all just because I went into the water with cramped legs, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to overdo one thing or the other. Mm -hmm. I smell. So, but the swim was yeah. I wish it was longer almost. Like it was refreshing. The water actually wasn't that dirty. Um, I felt like I was making moves on people in it. Like I wouldn't have minded a West Virginia swim, you know, like that would have like been a good five, place. seven minute swim. That'd have yeah. been great. Yeah. I would have, I would have been fine with that, but that's biased, right? Like, because it went well for me. So right. I understand that it's not, uh, it's not needed. Um, and a lot of people struggle with the swim. So maybe it doesn't need to be that big of a factor. Yeah. It's kind of a weird element to have in, anyway it's just one of those other random things that spartan does it's like yeah we're just gonna do do this and you guys are gonna have to deal with it so yeah yeah then we uh then you get out of the water you go through some really bad running it's like what reminds me of like uh seattle um national series terrain uh mm -hmm. like in 2019 it was bad um tall grass lumps followed by like pits and more grass you can't really see where the good footing is uh you go you go over like is bender something like that you go over some kind of wall um and then you get monkey in the middle which i don't think very many people had failures on it but the twister monkey twister um the penalty loop for that was death i'm pretty was sure it? That, was i think crazy? Thought you on site is what <laughs> for it you uh you had to do a giant sandbag carry oh my god it was a carry it was a sandbag carry and it wasn't a small sandbag carry it was oh like god. it was real so if you, yeah, I think they, yeah, they just, they put you around the woodshed and you were done. That was it. <laughs> that was the end of the race. They, yeah. They just, um, but funny enough, that was my favorite part of the whole race. Uh, you, you managed I, it pretty well. Oh man. I had so much fun. I wish it was twice as long. I, I just front swing on the twister, uh, did like grab, grab, grab. Now I'm on the monkey bars, grab, grab. Now I'm back on the twister. I felt like I flew through it. Um, it was just so fun. Like, I don't know, like the, the, difference between how you move through a twister and a monkey bar is just different enough to where it like felt interesting yeah. and like the movements were dynamic, but they weren't impossible. The length of it was, you know, was fine. Like, I don't know. It, to me, it was really fun. I wish every Spartan race had mixed rigs. Uh, I think, and not because I'm one of the people who's like Spartan race needs to be harder and Spartan race needs to have this. Cause that's how it used to be, but just because it's fun, like, I had a good time, right? It felt like being on a playground as a kid. So I, I loved that. Um, I honestly couldn't tell you where multi-rig was. It's just rings and I don't remember it. They're all. like different, they're stacked different heights, right? Yeah, oh, that's right, yeah. So it might've been like right after, but multi-rig was just too low, too high, too low, too high. Mm. Um, and if you have long arms, like I have a big eight index, I just went from the low ring to the last high ring and then to another high ring and bell. Like it was, 
it was pretty easy. I don't know. The nothing was wet, so none of that really mattered. So when you're like reflecting now on the race, how how you feel like you know you mentioned in the beginning that you're like kind of so so on it, like you kind of gave it the effort that you could have. Yeah. How, how does that make you feel like this far in the season? I mean, you came out and had your breakout finishing third mm-hmm. and slow. And then Big Bear, again, that was kind of, like I said, just man, it like basically just managing damage and just, yeah. you, missed, you missed the spear. It's a deep enough race that if you miss the spear at that point in the race, like you're not going to, you're not going to make it up. So you, you, your place was better here. Yeah. But how are you feeling in terms of like where it was compared to your other races so far? I think I did better here than I did in Big Bear. And I think if I wouldn't have had to do that 10-foot wall penalty, um, I think this would have been really close to slow. Uh, Hmm. I'm not saying I could have got third, but I think the effort levels, like what I had to do to get third at slow, uh, would have been about the equivalent of what you had to do to get like sixth or seventh here. Hmm. Um, I I just felt so powerful running. and I know it was early in the race, but like, I'm a pretty good judge of how I'm going to feel. Uh, cause that's my background of running. Like I can run for three hours if I have to, you know? Um, so I think I did good. Like, I, I think, yeah, despite all the negatives of it and like how I feel that I could have been, you know, could have ran way faster, placed way faster. The effort there is indicative that I can run a beast fast yeah. and I can beat people, um, you know, who did way better than me, but uh, it's hard to carry that enthusiasm into three weeks from now. Cause we're going back to Utah and I just see Utah as three big bears. Or like it's a little bit more runnable. I'd say two, maybe two big bears, right? Like it's just, it's, it's run big bear and then run it again. You're getting like five, 6,000 feet of vert. Uh, I don't but know. They're, they're longer grad, more gradual type. Like big bears, just like straight up, straight down, straight up, straight down. This one will kind of keep you like kind of have you looping around okay. and like kind of zigzagging back down. Um, so you're going to gain more because it's just because the distance is longer, but the running will be better than big bear. Okay. If it's runnable, right? Like, and I don't know what the altitude is on the Utah course. I think it starts uh, at like six, six, like not, I guess nine felt fine. So like you do feel like your heart's kind of in your throat a little bit, but like, as far as I can tell altitude running, at least personally is doable, right? That's like great. if you're not, you're not acclimated it sucks and you're at a disadvantage but sure. it's still doable so if utah is runnable i'm excited going into it i think i'm still fit i'm not hurt right knock on wood but like i'm not i don't have any injuries right now um i feel confident in all the obstacles like i, I honestly feel like i didn't fail an obstacle in mexico that's how it feels um i know i failed too but you know it's just it's a mixed bag. It's how the day went. So I'm confident on obstacles. I'm confident on running. If it's runnable, I'm happy. I'm excited for Utah. I still think the beast distance is my best bet. So yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. Right. Cause it's not like you missed the uh, Olympus for like the third time this season or something like no, that. Yeah. This was just something that uh, pretty unique circumstances in this Mexico race in, in particular. So yeah, for sure. You can't be like, oh, I suck at this. <laughs> it's just no, definitely not. No, I'm God. No, I I know I'm good at this. That's probably the most frustrating part is knowing that you're like one of the best at it in your in your head for fitness, right? Like I know I haven't done anything to prove that, but in my head, I'm like, I know I'm fit enough to do this. I know I have the racing IQ to do this. I just have to execute it and have it work out on a course. Um, 
I would like for it to be a little more runnable, but like, that's just not how it goes, right? Like you don't get to pick right. the, the race venue, um, but it's there. Like the, the eagerness to have a, another like real breakout race at this distance is there. Um, I know it's going to happen. It just, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I want to run it back like right now. That's how I, that's how I feel. And it would be interesting to see what it'd be like, like if you ran that same race over again, like how different the outcome would, would potentially be like, maybe not like maybe VJ still wins. No. And maybe, maybe Atkins wins, whatever. But like, I think some of this stuff would be the same, but I think it'd be a huge mix up. I agree. You could scramble, you could scramble all the athletes in that top 10. I do think credit is due for VJ though. I, I don't know. He might win 10 out of 10 times on that course. He, Yeah. yeah, he proved that he is the best Spartan racer right now. I think period. I, I don't know how you refute that. I, I know if you look at like uh, the past, right. Or you look at accolades, it's not there, but in terms of just like, if someone's showing up next week at a, at a venue and you don't know the distance or what's going on or the altitude, you name it, mm-hmm. your money should be on DJ right now. Mm-hmm. He's proven it. You know, he's, he earned it. Cause the only time he wouldn't, is it like Utah is a race where that would be a case to be like, well, he might not, but like, even looking at how Atkins did in slow, like I don't think VJ would get sixth at Utah, you know, no. like, his, like, his, defi- I, his deficiency might be less so than what Atkins has right now. I just look at, yeah, like VJ got third at Big Bear, sure. But he, he also lost to like some of the best climbers out there, right? Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. they just really solid climbers. If you even adjust those a little bit and make the climbs a little easier and you make the distance longer, like, yeah, I, he's got to be so confident going into Utah. Yeah, you know? and it's in his head. This is his last race of the series. He's just got to nail it there. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, credit credit due to VJ. He did he did perfect. Like he did it the way it should be done. But everybody else, yeah, the variance is there. I think there could have been a lot of swaps all the way from second to tenth. I think it could have moved around just based on you know this and that. So, mm-hmm. um, well, cool, man. Well, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you went. I'm glad you were able to mix it up. Just oh, yeah. learning experience. <laughs> it was a fun trip. Like I take the race out of it. Going to Mexico is awesome. Like I, you know, I got to see a bunch of stuff I've never seen before. And like the city we stayed in was beautiful. It was super colorful. And there was so much to do and people were everywhere and doing this and that. So no, the trip was worth it, period. <laughs> uh, and if you haven't gone, like you should definitely check it out. But, but yeah, for sure. I'm ready for the next one. I'm excited. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, cool, man. Well, I appreciate taking time sharing your experience. So we'll make sure to keep people posted on what's going on. Cool. Sounds good. All right. Alicia Keeker, fresh off of Spartan Race Puebla. How are you feeling? How? I mean, we were just talking off air and some hybrid stuff has kind of threw a wrench into things. But how are you feeling post-race from uh, Spartan, from that beast distance? Post-race, I'm feeling good, actually. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised at how good I felt, like, even Sunday. Um, was not sore. I expected to not really be able to walk that great just with all the travel. And um, that distance was the longest um, I actually have ever ran, <laughs> ran before. So <laughs> that's embarrassing to say, but I don't really get up in the 14s. And I think we clocked, like, 14 and a half miles. So 
it's a long day for me, but I recovered just fine. And so that, that has me feeling pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you're still new to endurance <laughs> sports in general. So like, it's not like you should be out there doing five hour runs time. Time-wise was probably the longest as well then. Um, no, because like Tahoe last year and um, Utah were so, I think those took like three and a half hours. I, I oh. went 250 and so that was okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And that was one thing going into this race. I wasn't sure how things were going to go because of, because of the distance, you know, yeah. just straight up. And like the altitudes is one thing when you've been training a lot for, uh, specifically the hills, trying to kind of shore up those things. Like you mentioned, Tahoe and Utah and Big Bear just kind of have been an issue in the past as you're learning the the sport. So coming into this race, it was like, ah, oh, this is going to be a long race at altitude, but it went pretty well. Yeah, it. I I'm I'm very happy with uh, where I finished and and the time. Like it, I I expected it to kick my butt a little more and. I kind of wish, uh, wish I would have pushed a little harder, but I think we always say that (laughs) it's like in hindsight, it's like, if I could just push it it, when that happens. And then when you're in the moment, you're like, I should probably just chill (laughs) and just make sure that I don't die here. Yeah. And, and that's something you did mention to me briefly is that the pacing of it was something that went fairly well. So when you were going into the race, did you have a strategy around what you wanted to do here? Like, how did you want to approach this? Yeah, I wanted to go out slow. Um, Historically, I've not done that well. And I knew 13 miles was going to be a long day for me. And so I, and all the obstacles were literally in the last mile. So that's my strong, you know, point. So I wanted to be able to still get through those obstacles. And so I went out, I didn't care about who was in front of me, didn't care about like the, the, lead pack and I didn't really try to hang on to anybody. I really just ran my own race and, and I knew that it would pay off in the end. And I, I just kept chipping away and I made all the, like, you know, I made all the obstacles other than the 10 foot wall, but um, yeah. And, and so I really just went out slow, slower than I think I would like to, but I knew that that would pay off. So. Uh, and, and we've talked about this a little bit, even before, like even with when you did your DECA, that was something we were talking about. It's like, just like, don't kill it from the start. And you're like, I'm not sure I understand what you're saying. (laughs) So, so, and and it's hard, right? Especially when it's a race and you're in the series, you've done all the races. um, And so like, it matters where you finish Mm -hmm. and it's easy to get wrapped up in that. So how did it feel at the start when everybody was probably flying off the line and like, you're probably, where are you in like the twenties, like even further? Probably. uh, Yeah. Like, high teens for sure. And, and I didn't really get caught up on all that. Like, I don't count how many people are in front of me. Um, but there was, it was quite a flat start from what I remember. Um, and everyone took off mm-hmm. and then we kind of went down. Yeah. It was almost like downhill for just like a short second. So people were flying. Um, and then I feel like we were all at the the wall or hurdle together. And so there was definitely like a massive pack in front of me, but I just, I let everyone kind of go because, you know, half a mile into a 13 mile race is just and like, that's when you feel it the most, you know, like all you're, you're nervous and like everyone's just sprinting and you want to try to keep up, but 
yeah, I don't know. I just had to lay low. <laughs> and, and yeah, cause it, and it's hard, but so was, you were able to kind of tell yourself to chill. Did you have to kind of tell yourself or yes, were you just like definitely. the distance was more of a, just intimidating enough to be like, I respect what is going to happen here. Or was it like, Oh my God, I really have to chill. Yeah. I had to tell myself to chill and I had to like physically slow down. Um, and just keep my breathing under control. Cause I think that first like couple miles is where your breathing is kind of like, you have to control it then or else it's going to be uh, a long day. So I physically slowed down and just, I knew, and I really, I kind of went into it. Like whatever happens, happens. I really am trying to like, you know, fix that mindset and just, just be a little more, you know, positive and chill about it and in general. So I was, I was relatively calm and it was, it was kind of easy to just, you know, take it all in. And this was an experience, like the whole thing was an experience, you know, wherever I finished, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. So, um, I just wanted to have a, have a good time with it. So you mentioned the 10 foot wall and I, I talked to uh, Nick mask, uh, yesterday and he, he was kind of giving me the whole breakdown and it seemed like a disaster on the men's side for sure. Yeah. How was it on the women? There was definitely s at least one step. There was one step. I tried to use one step, didn't work. Um, and then, so I used the step, yeah, on my first attempt. And then second attempt, I was like, I don't think I'm going to get it, but let's just try it without. And my shoes, so I chose to go for like comfort and the my comfortable shoes are not grippy. And so mm -hmm. I knew that going into it, like I think if I would have had like the VJ shoes on, um, which I can't hardly wear after like six miles. Mm -hmm. um, I think I could have gotten over it. Um, I've gotten over a 10 foot wall before. I really have, but it's, it, I don't know. I actually, when I was going over the wall, I saw like a bunch of girls like Casey and Ashley going through the penalty loop. And I heard one of them say, has anyone got over the wall yet? So I knew <laughs> that like, it was just a part of the women's race other than Chris. So, and they're like, Casey and Ashley are a little bit taller. You're not necessarily, you're probably like middle height for competitors. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, but you got that hoops background. Right. <laughs> right. Can't discount that. Uh, so every, so most people were missing. Yeah. I think, I think everyone, but Chris did. And that's what everyone was saying. Oh, so Chris got over it. Yeah. Huh. I wonder how she did that. She does have like long arms and she's really like flexible kind of. Yeah. So but she just got there and just like, whoop, whoop, like. I don't know. Cause yeah, long hands. I think she has uh, bigger hands and long arms. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. She also wears those Vivo shoes. And I don't, I know a lot of people don't wear those. So maybe, I mean, I think the shoes were a big deal on the wall. Like you have to have some sort of grip to like plant and, and go up, but yeah, I don't know. She's an animal. Like yep, straight up. Me that she was <laughs> yeah. the only one that got it. So I know like whatever you think is not possible. She's just going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> the, and that's one thing that's, I've made a mistake and I don't know if it was a mistake when I did, uh, the lone ultra I did one time, did all my training in one type of shoe that wasn't great for mud. It was the Hoka, um, speed goat and just yeah, like, I had, yeah, they're awesome. Great cushioning. Yeah. And so I did all my like super long runs in them. And then when it came time for the race day, it was like super rainy, really thick mud. And I was like, well, these are the shoes I've been training in. I have, you know, yeah. up to six hours of a race ahead of me. Like, I don't think I'm going to change my shoe. And then like in the middle of the race, I like couldn't stay on my feet. Yeah. So 
that it's it's hard to make that call. Would you make the same call now? Or yeah, what do you think? because yeah. so I basically looked at it and I was like, I need the VJ, like I need the grip for Olympus and for the 10 foot wall. And those two obstacles like were not greater than the 15 mile distance. So sure. my, I mean, my feet start to bother me after like mile 10 anyway. And I had, I wore like big, like new balance shoes that like are very comfortable. So that's where I get fatigued too on the long, it's like my lower legs, my ankles and my feet. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. My feet. Yeah. My feet definitely hurt. And, and the, and the VJ shoes are just so narrow that and I have fat feet and it's just, I went for comfort. <laughs> no, nah, I don't blame you for that. Yeah. You got it. So, and the penalty loop was pretty nasty. It was definitely. like a crawl. It was like 0.33 miles. Uh, I looked on Strava. Yeah, it was. It was a while, but everyone did it. Like I said, other than Chris, I think. So it was just a part of the race. And yeah, there was like two crawls and you went up and came back and everyone was doing it. Were they being strict about how many times you were able to attempt the wall? Yeah, I listened to your episode with all the, I didn't know that that happened with the guys. Um, Well, I talked to Mark and so he told me that. But it wasn't like that when we got there. So either they like straightened it up or we just knew. I think I was there with another girl and we were like two two attempts. And so Okay. Was that yeah. your understanding of what it was going yeah. into it? I think they said that at the start. I or I because all of us were talking and I think that was like pretty clear before we started. Like uh, on the female side, someone had asked, and then so everyone was like collectively like in an understanding so we'll get to attempts how do you feel about a 10 foot wall um i mean i like it i guess i i would have liked to maybe try it again um Mm -hmm. i think i could get it um because i feel like there used to be 10 foot walls there was 10 foot walls yeah yeah and i've never not gotten over a wall so i like it as a challenge you know now it's something that I feel like I should work on. So I like it. <laughs> yeah. And it, when it comes to, like you mentioned, you're on the shorter side, but then there, you think about someone like Faye Morgan. Right. right. It's like, yeah. Like, is that any fault of her own to, like, how is she going to get that? You're also right. a Hooper, but still. Yeah. yeah. You know, what, are you, what are you supposed to do? Right. Um, so after the penalty loops, were you, were you finding yourself in a group or were you pretty much running your own race? from the start and, and continuously kind of in your own lane. Yeah. Pretty much in no man's land. Um, (laughs) yeah. And that's pretty much the name of the game with these like longer distance. If you're after eight, you know, like if you're not really in a pack. So I went back and forth with, uh, a few girls, um, like, I don't even really remember now. It seems like so, so long ago, but I think, we went back and forth from like the carries. Like I would, I would kind of catch up on the carries and then lose time on the run, which is very typical. Um, but it was only like two of us. So hmm. there, I didn't really start gaining until like after the swim. Did you feel like that was to your advantage in hindsight? I mean, it's great to have people to compete with, but yeah. like we had mentioned earlier, it's the getting in over your head was, was probably your biggest obstacle in this is just like not overexerting yourself. Mm-hmm. So did that kind of help you not like go outside of what you're able to do? And were you consistently reminding yourself and like kind of paying attention to how your energy felt? Like, how was that feeling toward the middle? 
Yeah, towards the middle, it, it was tough because you, you know, I was running by myself. And so I think, I think like there were definitely times that if, if there was someone in front of me, I probably would have like pushed a little harder or it could have worked like negative. And if someone, sometimes if someone's behind me, I'm like, just go <laughs> like, <laughs> right. back. like, I don't want to deal with that. So I don't, unless if it's running for me that I don't necessarily know if that helps me, if there's obstacles and I'm around people, I like that. But cause that gives me more of like a competitive edge of like, I, I know that I can like do this faster than them. Um, so yeah, it, it is tough to get stuck in that running by yourself. But at the same time, there were a lot of males, like the age groupers that a lot, like that were passing me. And so that I wasn't really by myself. Okay. Um, there were tons of guys that I would try to like keep up with and that helped a little bit. And yeah. Cause that's the one thing about a race of this distance and just Spartan in general, how things can be uh, spread out so quickly and you can be in no man's land it's hard to know how you're doing for sure yeah i mean other than the carries i saw like a few girls at the very beginning of the care like or they were finishing as i was starting and so i would like look at my watch and and kind of figure out like how far i was from them Mm. and then how far like the girl was like behind me so Mm -hmm. so you had a yeah when things kind of turn around did that mess with you at all? Were you, were you think, was there a point where you're like, this isn't going well, or was there a part when you were like, oh, this is going great. Or did you not try to not even worry about like how the outcome was, was playing out during the race? Yeah. I just kept telling myself like things are going to shake up in the last mile. I knew that they would. And so when I really only saw like the same two girls, I mean, yeah, that's kind of like a little concerning when it's, you feel like you're not gaining. Um, but I, I tried really hard to just stay positive and I was having fun. And so I didn't really, I was like, I can't wait to get to the swim. I can't wait to get to the twister monkey twister. Like I could, or whatever it was, I I couldn't wait to do that. And so I think I just kept telling myself that it was going to change. And like, I would gain on people and I would pass people like where I usually do. And so that mindset is hard. You know, like if something goes wrong in the very first half of the race, it, it's usually opposite. You're like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to fail this. I'm going to fail the spear. I'm going to, but like, I didn't let my mind go there. And I was like, this is fun. Like I've never had so much fun on the rings, like the way that they set up the rings. And mm. it was just, it was a good time. So like staying positive and just kind of being excited for the last half of the race, I think kind of um, like helped me stay in it. Ultimately, these races are fun and they should be fun. So it's good to be able to latch onto that. Yeah. In, in like a, such a long race that does have implications, you know, mm-hmm. that is part of the series. That is like you went, you, you traveled a long way to go there, not just for fun necessarily, but right. they are still fun. They're supposed to be. Yes. They're still fun. So you were looking forward to the swim. Yeah, I was. <laughs> Why? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think I was nervous to like see it. And like, but once I saw it, I'm like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I passed every person that was in the swim at that time. Like they were struggling. So I passed them. Are you a Male, good swimmer? I, I mean, I'm okay. I think I <laughs> swam in the ocean for an Ironman. And like, oh, that's true. I, 
I could do a lake swim with a life vest for sure. Um, <laughs> That's like a hundred meters. It's really, yeah, yeah it it's like right short. there. Go like and touch it. So How once did... I saw it, I was like, oh, this is great. It was refreshing. And then like I passed a few people. So that gave me some confidence. So I, I would say, yeah, like that was a strong point of mine. You have not done the swim at Tahoe, right? No, no, never. Because okay. <laughs> that's, I mean, that swim, it's just super cold, but it's so short. It is like right. you would, if you if you could like do a, a long jump, you could probably get halfway there. <laughs> if you could like run it, it's almost nothing. But it's just like the, the temperature is the obstacle for, for that one. So, and yeah. So it's interesting with something like this. How did you do it? Were you doing like regular freestyle or how did you yeah, get through freestyle, it? The whole time. I mean, I like a few times, like, like did some breast strokes to, or whatever front strokes to like my arms were getting like a little tired, but it was great. I loved it. I just kind of freestyled <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> the uh, West Virginia swim in 19, I did freestyle. Now it's, that swim is like five to seven minutes or something like that. At least that year it was. Mm -hmm. And I was just in there and I have very little swimming experience, but I'm, I, I can swim at a decent clip if I need to. Mm -hmm. And I was just passing people. I was like, man, these people suck at swimming. I'm, I'm crushing. And then I got out and like ran maybe 200 meters and then cramped everywhere <laughs> doing, doing the freestyle. So uh, I'm glad that you're it wasn't so long or you're, you're efficient enough to get through it because how long is an Ironman swim? You, you you must be have been doing that type of kicking for yeah, it's a mile and a half, and then the one I'm doing this year is two uh two point five miles or something. Two point five, yeah. Like usually, it, it took me fifty five. I was in the ocean for fifty five minutes. Like that was panic, <laughs> and that <laughs> was like like if I can do that, I can do this little like two minute swim. Like I I lapped it, and it was like two minutes. It was. It was actually two minutes. Okay. Somewhere around there. There's not a Strava segment made, but someone has to do that soon, right? <laughs> There's something about the distance. I was just playing around with that. Like the you have it won't give you a segment if it's a very small distance. So it might be too short for it to actually yeah. like map out, unfortunately. But it does yeah. screw up the elevation, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like why did that do that? I've never had that happen. It happens in West Virginia too. I think it because it goes from the bottom of the water. And then, yeah. then it just like accounts for that type of change, I guess. I yeah, don't know. Up until that point, it was on like, like 1300 feet or something. Cause I was watching that for sure. And when I finished, it said that I had like 3,300 feet of <laughs> elevation gain. I'm like, no. I don't think so. <laughs> um, Nick said it was hillier than he was anticipating though. There was a steep climb at the very end that. I was like, is this serious? Like, but the other stuff was pretty rolly. Um, but yeah, there, I think it was what, 1400 feet or something. Something like that. Still yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was all right though. So coming out of the swim, uh, the, I've, I've also had experience where I come out and I do feel like rejuvenated where, mm -hmm. cause my heart rate comes down. Once you go horizontal, right. Your, the blood can flow a little bit easier. So it doesn't jet your heart rate can actually come down. So were, were you feeling good then? I felt great. I wanted to get back in the water. Like, <laughs> I wish that the, it, the swim was like from one end of the lake to the other. Like, that would be cool. but yeah, I felt great. I was like, cause it was starting to heat up a little bit. And then I knew like, that was a big deal. Like getting to the swim and making sure like you can get through it. So once it was over, it's like, sweet. Like mm -hmm. we got a few obstacles and like, this is almost over. So I felt pretty refreshed. 
Yeah, it's 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 weird when they say a swim because I've done ones and they said swim and it's like you just kind of walk in the water. Yeah, like Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, like, like that's not a swim. Like you right, couldn't even right. swim that if you really wanted to. So where is that? Was the multi rig before that, or is that was that after? Twister Monkey Twister was directly after that. So there, okay. but you had there was time to like dry your hands and stuff. But I knew. There might have been one obstacle in between, but it was like swim, then the, the big rig. So I was excited to do that one for sure. And, and you're strong at obstacles. Like that's going to be a place where you w- would excel um, compared to the competition. How was it? Was it was it, it was long awesome. to the point where you were worried or just like, oh, this is super fun? When I first looked at it, I was like, dang, that's kind of long. But I could have done another rung of like monkey bars or twist. Like I still had some, some grip left. So... I loved it. Like I was really nervous. Um, I was overthinking to go backwards because I go through Twister backwards. So it usually, Same. honestly, that that obstacle takes me like 15 seconds. And so I was nervous for the transition to go from like bent arm to like turn around. And so I, the week before, I was like playing with like maybe I should just go like the regular way, people like the monkey way. But I don't really like that. I'm not really great hanging dead arm. I just like don't have a great mobility. And so I just, I, I just went backwards, turned around and then turned around again. Once I just like pulled myself up and just went backwards the second on the second round. So when you have that type of strength and like your lats and biceps and stuff like that, that's where it's a little bit strenuous too. If you're doing like the bent arm. So you went, and when you go through monkey bars, you'll, what what will you match or will you go on them? Yeah. So you're not bent arm through the monkey bars too. No, I thought about that, but I, I think, I don't know how far apart they are. Like sometimes if they're really far apart, I like matching and swinging is just much easier than mm-hmm. going sideways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And that would be a lot of bicep. Eventually you might yeah. have to come down and work through yeah. it. So were you, did you pass anybody there or were you just, was any, were, were people missing it? I don't know. Like I thought, like I had heard that the um, penalty loop was pretty gnarly, but Hmm. um, it was like a sandbag penalty loop. Oh, I did hear that. That would suck so bad. Yeah. And I heard that it was long too. And, and so, but it was right there. And I honestly, I didn't see anybody, but at some point I went from like 20th to 14th. So I don't know. So maybe Um, I, I, I don't, think I passed anybody I I passed like one person in the swim and then the spear I I want to say one girl was doing I Faye was doing burpees but she left before I threw and then one other girl I think was but I so I never caught up to them like Mm. they they were like a few minutes back but I still like wasn't up there but so I would say maybe someone was on that loop I don't know who but yeah I, I thought that there was going to be a lot of people on the penalty loop. So when I got through it, I was like, sweet. Cause that would be, I don't know if you saw the clip of, of Lindsay. She was like double uh, chicken wing. She like got up high on a, on a monkey bar and just kind of like let her arms like dangle below, I guess, just to get that blood flow back to it. I did and, not see that. Yeah. She like stopped. She like completely what? stopped on it just to kind of get her, her grip back. Wow. But if it's between that and doing a, you say it's a quarter mile, like the same as what it was for the 10 foot wall, a quarter mile sandbag carry that late into a race. Like I would probably be hanging on too. Right. Because 
like leg fatigue was definitely happening because that was at 13, 14 miles at that point. Yeah. So yeah, I'd like to know who who missed and missed that. I don't know. But I think I didn't hear anything like how hard it was, like from someone who did it. So yeah. Huh. Yeah, because I didn't heard too much about people. Was it dry? Did the obstacles feel dry? Yeah, it was dry. It did. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Even coming out of the swim, like I said, there was like probably at least a minute of like running to get there. So you were pretty, hands were dry. And the multi-rig, that was like the it rings, so the rings were up and down. It was so cool. Yeah. That I think cool I only wrinkles. Touched, yeah. I only like touched like three rings. Like you oh, were able sweet. to skip because once you got like a little more slack on the one that was like higher or yeah, the one that was like higher, you, I like skip two and then all of a sudden i was like at the bell cool <laughs> it was so fun <laughs> and you do that one you, you you clearly do that one straight arm i do that one straight arm yeah yeah that's a nice little wrinkle i mean because i mean the rings we do we do just rings here for like the sprints just because we want that to be our uh open accepting yeah. version of the spartan race but the ring like straight rings really not very hard <laughs> no they should change that like all you have to do is move a, a few up you know they could even do like lanes they could do like the elite lane that was like that was fun because when i actually got up to the rig and saw that they were like up down up down i'm like oh am i gonna have to like bent like go bent arm mm -hmm. and then once i realized that like you had enough swing to just skip it was fine but that was a lot of fun yeah, that would be a cool way. Just to, have you seen that what Savage does? How they'll have the the rings attached, like they'll have like two rings attached to the same rope, and they'll throw the rope over like two bars, I guess. So it kind of creates a little platform at the top. So they shift. They go grab one, and then it'll like dip it. Oh, and then you grab the other one, and then, that. and then that one dips. Um, so that's another cool way to, way to kind of put make the rings more challenging. Mm -hmm. But Spartan won't do that. But they might sure, do. It's they might alternate it. That would be cool. Yeah. So then, did you hit your spear? Mm -hmm. Nice. Hit spear. Yep. And then Olympus. Yeah, I didn't have a trouble with the spear. Now I don't. There, I know there's a lot of stuff going on. A lot, a lot of talk about the spear. Yeah. A lot. I mean, I definitely saw the target, like the targets that were split. Like there was some that like kind of looked a little like janky, but just picked a different one. <laughs> That's, I, uh, I would do the same thing. I, I would look at them. I'm like, ah, cause the, I mean, the one that everyone, that Atkins picked that it might not have looked as messed up, but the one right next to it was clearly like in yeah. half. Yeah. It looked like pieces. two separate targets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the spear was heavier. Did you notice? I don't, I didn't notice that. Hmm. Um, but I did hear that um, some of the girls said that, but I didn't notice it. Um, maybe it was. I don't know. You just picked it up and drilled the thing. Did yeah. you throw out normal? Do you throw it yeah. like on a line? Or do you loft yeah, it? I kind of loft a little bit, but I throw it pretty hard. So yeah. it, it, it always comes down. So honestly, when I looked at Ryan's, um, and I don't know, a lot of people are like going both ways about this, but I don't feel like his spear was coming down. You think I it don't was going know. Straight. You think if it was had a little arc, it would have. I think it like hit the target like this, and then just I don't know. Maybe not. I don't want to say because I think a lot of people like are upset about it. But 
yeah, I think it has to have a little bit of like loft to it. And that might be the thing that with those targets or those spears, maybe the way to throw it is to have some arc where in the US based ones, you can kind of throw it as hard as you can on a line. And sometimes right. it will stick with the bottom below the tip. Right, right. But if, if the targets kind of suck, like you've got to put, it's got to come down to like stick versus yeah. like if the targets are cheap or whatever it is, if it hits at like an angle, of course it's going to come out. So yeah, yeah, that's kind of what happened. It's unfortunate, but yeah, it happens. But you hit yours. Yep. So, <laughs> and Olympus was short. There was like only was so tiny. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> but I was tired at that point and it was, I'm glad it was short. <laughs> I would always welcome a short Olympus. That's definitely, yeah. definitely a move. Yeah. So then finishing, did you have any idea where you had finished? I had no clue. Um, there was a girl in front of me, a Mexican athlete. I forget her name. I think she was in Big Bear. So she finished right in front of me. Like we were like, I don't think she knew I was there. So I like flipped on the cargo net and she was like climbing down. So I was only like one body away from her. Oh, wow. And then so we were like climbing the rope at the same time. Um, and then there was like one wall to get over. Like I finished like six seconds after her. And I pretty sure she did pretty well in, in big bear. So I thought, Oh, maybe like, maybe I made the top 15. Um, but yeah, it was, it was cool to kind of have like someone to cross the finish line with, even though like I was behind her, but <laughs> yeah. Did you have expectations like for, for finish? Like, were you Not thinking really. top 15 or top, top 10? I mean, yeah. Like I would have liked to do better than I did in big bear. So top 15 would have been great. Well, I guess I got 14th. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. That is that. So in, yeah. this was the third race in remind us where you were in slow and big bear. Slow. I got 12th and then big bear was 17th and then 14th. So I could really use like an inside the top 10 finish to kind of secure like the top 10 in this, in the series overall, but mm -hmm. Utah is not my favorite. <laughs> that is going to be a combination of Puebla and Big Bear. Yeah. yeah. But you're faring okay in these distances. And considering where you were in Big Bear last year and the improvement right. that you made in such a short amount of time. Yeah. I think it's – I want to say, like, I I get better as, like, the distance goes on. I mean, yes, my body gets tired because it's not used to it, but I am, like, I just chip away. And I just, mm. like, kind of – and if there is an obstacle gauntlet at the end, that usually plays in my favor. So Utah last year I got sick, and I got sick in, like, the first four miles, and I was, like, almost dead last. And then I, like, I got a weird second wind as we were like going downhill. And, hmm. and so I made up a lot of time on last year in Utah, like I'm in the second half. So maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just like a second half racer. We'll see. I was going to ask like how you're feeling about this kind of distance and you have done an Ironman uh, race before you're going to do, are you still going to do the, that one this year too? Yeah. I, yeah. I have to I'm <laughs> <laughs> contractually <laughs> obligated to do it. Yes. Um, so the, the distance of it doesn't seem to be what is the issue, right? You seem to be able to, to kind of keep plugging away at it. Yeah. So are you feeling more confident in like these longer distances now, especially after like a good result at a beast? 
after this weekend, I'm feeling okay about it. It's more of like the inexperience, I think, because my long runs, I get up to like 12. And like a 10 mile run for me is is pretty easy. Um, 12 is still like asking a lot for my body. And just like, I mean, I can run 12 on the roads and be just fine. But like going to the trails and spending three hours out there, it's it that's a lot. It's a big ask. Um, but I think I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see like what I can do in Utah. I just, I, I, my mindset is like, I just want to get this over with. So sometimes in a race like that, where I have like three miles to go, I'm like, I'll do anything to get off this course. <laughs> so I think sometimes that, that plays in my favor where I just, I get very impatient and I'm just like over it. So that's definitely what happened in Utah last year. Cause I was sick. And then I, I was just like, no, like let's, I want to be off this course immediately. So I just like sprinted. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully that, that'll come through for you in Utah. Cause if Utah, are you going to do blue mountain? No, it's okay. two weeks after Ironman. Oh, it's, right. Yeah, no. That's so this much. is kind of last, last, um, putting all the, my chips in this basket here or whatever. Well, that's kind of nice. Are you going to do Kelowna? Maybe August, August. end of August. Mm. Maybe. What's that one? The oh, the North American champ, right? Mm -hmm. I haven't thought about it honestly. I was thinking after Utah that I wasn't gonna do any more Spartans this year. I th that seems like an okay plan, depending on how I do. Like if I do all right in Utah, and then I'll be like pumped about it again. But I'm kind of I a I need to be training for this Ironman. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like I really need to do that. And B, I'm just kind of, I don't know. I really want to like kind of transition into like DECA and high rocks a little bit. So yeah. And the back half of the year would be good for that because yeah. of the New Jersey races and there's uh, at least an LA high rocks, um, an Illinois DECA. Is that going to be in the mix for you? When's that? The 30th oh. July. Oh, the Chicago one. Yeah. Um, probably not. All right. <laughs> All right. It's it, that's really close to Utah too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, probably not. Um so yeah, and like thinking about Kelowna, it's like if you go there, like you're if you're looking at it monetarily, right? Like you have a chance to get in that top ten of the series. Right now you're sixth. Seventh. Seventh. So good result if you if you get if you pop a top ten, it'll put you in there and then it's just kind of like crossing your fingers and hoping you don't get bumped down. But if you go to Kelowna, like, yeah, you can maybe make some money if you get 10th. Right. But. But like a hundred bucks. Yes. Probably a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like maybe next year. Like yeah, I, who knows? I think I'm still frustrated with not being paid. Like I, I they still owe me like over a thousand dollars. And I, I just, I was pretty, I'm, I'm very grateful and I'm very glad that I went to Mexico, but the week leading up to it, like I had realized that I had to pay for the race and I was like, you had to pay for the Mexico race. Yeah. I mean, I don't, ha I'm not on the protein. Oh shoot. That's right. But I have like athletic brew pays for, um, like a few of my races and like the codes didn't work because they, it was Mexico. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know. I just like, I don't want to pay Spartan until they pay me. And so 
I, but I had already bought my flight and I had already booked like the hotel and stuff. And I'm like, everything's non-refundable. And so I have to pay for the race at this point, but I'm like, money is just like flying off the shelves for this one race where, but I I'm grateful. I went, it was a good experience, but at the same time, it's like, how are they paying for the pro team to compete in the series in an international race like this or whatever? And my code, my, my free code doesn't work because I'm not on the, like, I was really sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Paying for the races, like that, that's annoying. They, they should be able to dish those out. Yeah. And it, like, I don't want to sound like a brat because I, there's a lot of people pay for the races, but at the same time, it was not, I mean, it was a lot of travel to get there. And when I found out that I, like my code didn't work, I'm like, I don't know if I would have chose like to do this then, you know, like it ended up being like a pretty pricey weekend with everything. So, and, and again, I will pay for it because it's an experience and I enjoy doing it, but when they owe me money and I'm like <laughs> still putting money in their bank, like yeah. it's the return is not there. So it's, it was a bummer, but I know and that's another reason why I like to do Kelowna too. It's like another more international travel, you know, yeah, paying so for where you're staying and stuff. Yeah, the Canadian races, then, I mean, if you're not on the pro team, you're not, you, those races are not paid for, correct? I don't know. Because I would assume that no free codes that we had, even like people have buddy passes and it's a $60 race and all this stuff. Like we're all trying to figure out how to race and not pay full price. So yeah, yeah. but yeah, so maybe, maybe not. Okay. Maybe they pay me like. I will put money back into the sport, um, right. but it, I can't get a response on an email or anything. So it's almost just like sitting around. Did you get Deca paid for Deca? No, I'm guessing no. Yeah, no, that's that's, that, that, that's almost like that's almost like fresh from their perspective. They're like, we have plenty of time. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Geez, that, that, that just happened. Um, right. Okay, cool. But we hope to see it. Are, are you thinking of Deca then for the rest of the year, or would you do New Jersey? Yeah, I want to do wor- the worlds, right? Yeah, where are you right now? Like fifth or sixth? Your time? Somewhere, yeah, sixth, something like that. Maybe. I think you should be okay. Yeah. yeah, I would. I would love to do that. I think it. That's also a silly travel for such a small race. Um, mm. but I, I would like to compete. I think, yeah. Yeah, it'd be fun because it's yeah. hard to get. Like these races, there haven't the depth of the races haven't been, especially on the female side, like past like three athletes then the depth really kind of falls off in these regional races. But if you can get 12 of you guys mixing yeah. it up in one, it'd be really cool. It'd be really fun I think to it'd see. Be fun. Yeah. yeah, I agree. All right, cool. Well, congrats on a great race and on something that is a little out of the wheelhouse, but you're, you're still in the mix and now. Yeah. Seventh, sixth, seventh in the series. So you're executing the plan. That's right. You're doing yeah. it. Thanks. So make sure to follow up where you'll be next and link to your socials and the whole deal. So we'll just talk to you soon. Cool. Thanks, Rich.